so good to be with you guys. And we are in a series right now entitled Regift. And this idea that God has given us a gift and then he wants us to give the gift or the gifts that he gives to us to others. It's kind of like this, from God to me to you, basically is how it works. And Jesus said to us, all of his disciples, he said, freely you have received, freely give. Amen. And uh, so this season we're looking at this idea of giving away what God has given to us. And uh, the thing that we need to keep in mind is that Jesus is the content. We're the package. We're the, we're the person that's going out there and uh, giving ourselves. But it is really all, everything that we have to give to others really comes from Him. And uh, so it's really important that we understand that. Now, last week we talked about regifting. Or giving away to others the love of God. How many of you know that God has loved you? Right? And so he wants you to go and extend that same love in this world around us. And that's what we talked about last week. Today, we're going to talk about regifting the joy of the Lord. We've received the joy of the Lord. And how many of you know we live in a world that's pretty feels pretty joyless out there? And it feels, uh, you know like there's a lot of antagonism and there's a lot and and there's a lot of people struggling with depression and especially in this season uh people really do struggle a lot uh in their lives and in their relationships and so the lord in this season wants us to be a people all seasons of the year but even now he wants us to set the atmosphere of his joy in the earth today And so I want to talk about this, and I want to read a a little portion of Scripture where we see this actually activated, this gifting of joy. And I want to to show it to you. It's found, it's in the Christmas story. It's found in Luke chapter 1. And I want to pick up in verse 35 where this is where Gabriel comes to Mary, this little teenage girl, and he announces to her that she's going to carry the Son of God. She's going to bear the Son of God and bring him into this earth. And then Mary was like, how could this be? I don't know. I've never been with a man. I'm not married. And uh, the angel responds to her. And this is where I want to pick up in uh, Luke chapter 1. verse. Uh, I think it's verse 35. And it says, and the angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month of her who is called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. And Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Verse 39 says, Now Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste to a city in Judah, And entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary. Watch this. It happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she spoke spoke with a loud voice saying, Blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is it granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For indeed, as soon 
As the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. And that's the word, and I want to get into that just a little bit here. Let me, let me just pray real quick, and then we'll get into the word. Lord, thank you not only for your love, but for the joy of the Lord. And Lord, we welcome your word here today. I pray, God, for an unction upon me and all of us, God, to hear, to receive the word, that we may live the word. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody says, Amen. Amen. Okay, so as we read here in this passage, how the Holy Spirit was going to come upon Mary in power, and she was going to conceive in her womb the living Son of God. So this happened to her. She left her place where she was, and she went to a city, the Bible said in Judah somewhere, And so she walks into the house of Zacharias and Elizabeth. And when she walked into the house, all she did was greet them. And at the sound of her greeting, something happened in Elizabeth and in the baby in her womb, which is uh, unborn John, the the great prophet that was going to come. When she heard the greeting of Mary, the Holy Spirit in Mary was transferred into Elizabeth and into the unborn baby in her womb. The Bible tells us that the, the angel told Zechariah that he will be filled with the Holy Spirit from birth. So what happened was there was a transference of the power of the Holy Spirit from within Mary into Elizabeth and into John, and they were both filled with the Holy Spirit and with joy. Everybody say joy. And I love that because joy is one of the most important themes around the coming of Jesus Christ. Not only do we see joy, the the joy of the Lord hitting up Elizabeth and John, this unborn child in her womb, but we also know that when the angels appeared to the shepherds out in the field, keeping their flocks by night, that they told the shepherds to not be afraid, for I bring you great tidings, or good tidings of great joy, right? And then we see also when the wise men show up to where Jesus was, the boy child at the time, they saw, the Bible said, they they saw the star over Bethlehem and they rejoiced with exceeding joy. How many of you know that at the coming of Jesus Christ, the joy of the Lord was poured out in the earth? And it doesn't surprise me that in this season and in this time, as well as all throughout the year, but even in this time, how so much depression and anxiety and worry and stress and anger just floats over the atmosphere of our season because it is actually not supposed to be that way. But the enemy is trying to pervert the great outpouring of what God brought into this world. God wants us to walk in His joy. And not to be stressed out and strung out and angry and upset and disappointed. And the enemy sometimes gets into our thinking and into our living to where we're decorating the halls, but we're angry about it. 
Julie said, no sooner do we start decorating the tree than we get mad at one another. <laughs> it's not her, it's me. Because everything's got to be perfect. <laughs> Amen. That's joylessness. Amen. Come on, can I get a good amen? I'm not the only one, am I? Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Notice that. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. Amen. Fruit is the product or the outgrowth of a power within you. The fruit of the Spirit is the character of Jesus. Not only revealing who I am in Christ, but as fruit is intended to be a blessing to everybody else around me. Fruit isn't just something. The fruit of the Spirit isn't just for you to eat, so to speak. It's for everyone else around you. Fruit isn't just what you want to feel for yourself. I want to feel loved and I want to have joy and I want to be at peace. It's to manifest and grow. It is to be the outgrowth of our life everywhere we go. Everywhere we work, even in that family of yours, amen, and no fake fruit around here, it's got to be the real deal, amen, and so the fruit of the Spirit, God wants us to re-gift, if you will, rejoicing, He wants us to bring joy into our world. But you know what? We can't give out what we aren't fully possessing ourselves. And so I want to break this up into a couple of different ideas. First of all, I want to talk about how it is that we can stay full of the joy of the Lord. I want to talk about the fullness of the joy because, again, we can't give out what we ourselves are not walking in. And so it's really important that we understand this about joy, that it's different from happiness. We've all heard this kind of definition that happiness has a lot to do with our outward circumstances. If things are going well, if my team wins, if I win the lottery, if my wife or my husband is doing every, then I'm happy. And we all know how to be happy. Happy, But you know, we don't all know how to be joyful even when the circumstances aren't great. But that's the point of joy because joy is a, an abiding uh, truth, an abiding reality of the presence of God that no matter how bad it is around me, I am at peace with God. I have hope in God. I can have the joy of God in my life. Even when things aren't clicking. Even when things aren't going as they should. We're not talking about being happy. We're talking about possessing joy. And so we need to keep this in mind. We, 
we, it's, uh, when, when we're going in any kind of life circumstance, I think we need to ask ourselves the question, am I relying on happy feelings or does my strength come from the joy of the Lord? If you're looking for happy feelings, then you're looking in the wrong way because the strength of God, the joy of the Lord is your strength. And so how do we stay full of the joy of the Lord? If I'm going to give joy out, how do I stay full of that? And so I'm going to, I've got a lot here for you, so I'm, I'm not sorry. You just have to, you have to eat all the courses here today. Amen. But let me, let me, let me ratchet through this on a quick, how do we get that joy? To be full of the joy of God, first of all, we need to receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior. There is no joy No true, eternal, lasting joy outside of a relationship with Jesus Christ. Behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. He said in Luke chapter 10, verses 10 and uh, 2, verses 10 and 11, he says, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be for all the people, not just you, but for everybody, right? For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. The very first place that you and I are going to step into the joy of the Lord is by first of all coming to Jesus as the Savior of my soul and the Lord of my life. If I don't know Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior, there's no way that I could truly live in the joy of the Lord. True joy only comes through a person. And that person is Jesus Christ. And when we receive the good news about Jesus, we have a relationship with Him. And and to have a relationship with Jesus involves salvation and lordship. Christ the Savior who is Lord. He's not only my Savior, He's my Lord. He not only redeemed me from everlasting damnation and punishment and, the ra- and, he, and he dismissed over me the wrath of God because I believed in him, but he is my Lord. That means every day that I live, every place that I go, every step that I take is under his divine direction in my life. It's called relationship. And when you have a real relationship with God, that's where you get real joy. Come on now, smile at me out there. John said, 1 John chapter 1, verses 3 and 4 says, We proclaim to you what we ourselves have actually seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with the, His Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that you may fully share our joy. Joy comes in fellowship and relationship with the Lord. Amen, church. Come on, give me a good amen out there. Number two, to have joy, we need to stay full of the Holy Spirit. John and Elizabeth, when they heard the sound of Mary, the Spirit of Jesus within her leapt onto them, and they were full of the Holy Spirit and joy. Now, there are about five other verses in the New Testament that have within them five other places where it talks about the fullness of the Spirit and joy. 
And here's one of them in Romans chapter 15, verse 13. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Hope comes from the fullness of the Holy Spirit. How many of you know that when you get born again, the Holy Spirit takes up residence in your life? Do you know that? You wouldn't even be born again if it wasn't for the Holy Spirit. He has to enter in and he has to begin to change and transform you on the inside. But there is more available to us in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And when you read the book of Acts, all the other verses are in the book of Acts where it talks about that the the Spirit of God was poured out upon the church and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and rejoiced in the Lord. And when you and I continually walk in the fullness of God's Spirit, there is a joy available to us. This is why Paul said, keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. Singing and making melody in your heart and rejoicing and, and praising God. He's saying, if you want to be happy in life, if you want to have true joy in life, you need the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Filling you and I up. Why? Because we're leaky vessels. You are all, I am, we're all, I should have said it this way, we are all cracked pots. Amen. Amen. And we need constantly to go back to the well of the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And when, there, and when you and I are full of the Spirit, there is, a, there is a joy. The Bible says, David said back in Psalm 16, You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. How many of you know the Holy Spirit is your guide? He's your teacher. He's your helper. He will show you the path of life. In His presence is fullness of joy. Amen. To be full of the joy of the Lord, we need to abide in the Word of God. We need to crack the Bible. Come on. We need to abide in the Word of God. Psalms 119 verses, uh, verse 111 says, your statutes, your word, your commandments are my heritage forever. The word heritage literally means it is my inheritance. They are the joy of my heart. How many of you got a rich uncle that you're just waiting for them to keel over? <laughs> you're not going to say. Everybody's like, Better than any financial inheritance you could ever get is the inheritance of the Word of God. Amen. Better than anything that you could get from anybody else in your life is the Word. It is God's inheritance for you. And the psalmist says, when I'm loving your Word, when I'm learning your Word, when I'm living your Word... It brings joy to me. Because when I walk in the Word of God, I'm escaping harm's way all the time. But if I'm not heeding the Word, if I'm not living the Word, if I'm not loving the Word, if I'm not listening to the Word, I find myself getting sidetracked. Going off the rails. Messing up. And there's no joy in that. 
You know there's no joy in that. It may be joy for a moment, but then you wake up someday and you feel the pain of it. And it's no good. I love the way the Message Bible says, Psalms 119, it says, I inherited your book on living. It's mine forever. What a gift and how happy it makes me. I love that translation of it. So to be full of the joy of the Lord, we need to abide in God's word. Number, uh, I don't know what number we are on. Dot, the next dot. Uh, pray with faith. Pray with faith. Jesus said in John 16, 24, until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive that your joy may be full. Ask, come on, ask, and you will receive that your joy may be full. Isn't this this a wonderful verse for us today? The Lord is saying to us, I want you to ask me. Why? Because I want you to receive from me. Why? Because I want you to be joyful. I want you to have joy in your life. I want you to have joy in your heart. I want you to enter into prayer with this this joyful expectation that I'm hearing you, that I want to bless you, and I want you to be joyful about it. Man, this is a good promise. Now, answered prayer brings joy. Can I get a good amen out there? I know that there are times that prayers don't seem to be answered, but answered prayer brings joy, but you can't have answers in prayer if you don't pray. And you won't pray as much if you don't have a prayer time. So if you make time for prayer, then you're going to pray. And if you will spend time in prayer, the Lord said, you will receive from me. And in receiving from me, you'll experience joy. But if you're going to be mad at God and hold a grudge against God and all the prayers that he hasn't answered the way you think he should answer them, you're not going to be a very joyful person to be around. And you're not going to be able to give joy if you don't have a faith that believes that God can do all things. And that's what prayer is. Prayer is a great act of faith. Making time to pray is a key to making room for joy in your heart. I love what Psalms chapter 40, verse 4, the first part of it says, Oh, the joys of those who trust the Lord. That's what prayer is. It is the, it is the act of trusting God. Every time you take time to pray, you're saying, God, I don't trust me. I trust you. I don't trust my job. I don't trust my government. I don't trust, I don't trust anyone. I put my trust in you. Amen. And Jesus said, if you'll pray like that, it'll, it'll increase your joy. How many of you want some increased joy in your life? Another way that we experience fullness of joy is by walking in obedience to the Lord. Jesus said in John chapter 15, verses 10 and 11, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. Jesus said, if you want to have full joy, do what I tell you to do. Amen. 
when I speak something to you and I give you an instruction and I prompt your heart and I say something to you, whether it's an actual literal verse out of the Bible that leaps off the page to you or it's that rhema word of my voice, the still small voice behind you saying, this is the way. It'd be a good idea to do what he says. Because when you obey the voice of the Lord, it brings joy. It fills your heart with joy. David committed a sin, and as a result of this sin of of adultery and then the cover-up of it with murder, you know, he lived under condemnation for a year. He said in one of the Psalms, I think it's Psalms 32, he said, my bones had waxed weak within me. I had lost my joy. In fact, he said in Psalms 51 when he was praying about after he had been confronted about his sin, he said, restore to me the joy. He had lost the joy of the Lord. Why? Because he walked in disobedience to the Lord. And not only did he feel and have this condemnation just binding his heart, but he had to live with the consequences of his actions which had already been set in motion in his life. And so the Lord's saying to us, it'd be better to obey me now. Yes, there is repentance. How many thank God for the forgiveness of God? (laughs) Come on. And that he can restore joy, right? He can restore joy, but wouldn't it be better to live in a way where we don't lose our joy? Amen. And so, on this side of eternity, we're always probably going to need that restoration of joy. But he says in his word, Jesus says, you'll have full joy if you do what I tell you. Amen. Let me just give you one more way to keep full of the joy of the Lord. And that is we need to keep a a right perspective about life. Whether we're going through present struggles or maybe going through personal failures in our lives, rejoicing is the choice that we must make not only to survive, but to thrive. Even when life is messed up. Making a choice, having a right perspective about life. Paul said in Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5, he says, Rejoice in the Lord always, Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Do you know when he wrote that? You know the context of that passage right there? Is he's talking about two ladies in the church who are fighting with one another. Two lady folks. Now in other places, there were men that fought with each other. But here it happens to be ladies. And he says, get your act together. I didn't read that verse. Come together, right? And then he says, in the midst of this, here's what you do. In this relational indifference, unresolved conflict, you set your soul to rejoice. And let me say it again. Rejoice. 
Let your gentleness be known to all. Listen, gentleness comes out of a right attitude and a right perspective about life. That's where gentleness comes from. If you're harsh, if you're indifferent, if you're a bah humbugger, you set your heart to rejoice. Why? Because the Lord is at hand. That's what Paul said. The Lord is right there. Where is he? He's not over there. He's right here. He's right here in this relationship. He's right here in our situation. He's right here in our marriage. He's right here at this workplace where I've got these people around me that are difficult. The Lord is at hand. Let your gentleness be known to all. How? Rejoice. Amen. And this is why James told Christians in the book of James, when you go through various kinds of trials, rejoice. Stop trying to think about how you can get out of your trial and just rejoice for what God is doing in it. Oh, that's hard, isn't it? Forgive me for bringing that to your attention. It's all about keeping the right perspective. Now, there are probably a lot of other ways that we can stay full of the joy of God, but here's the key. When you and I, we need to remain full of the joy of the Lord. And these are the ways that we can do that. But why? So that we can release the joy of the Lord around us. So that, we, there, that there could be, my second point I want to talk about is the flow of the joy of the Lord. Now, how many remember the, the famous Christmas carol, Joy to the World? The Lord is come. Right? There's some great lines in that. There's the line of let every heart prepare him room, right? There's the line of let men their songs employ. There's the line of let earth receive her king. But the, the, the line that I want to draw attention to in that song is, he comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. Wherever the curse has laid bare our world. He says, He wants His blessings to flow. And church, this is where you and I come in to the game, right here. God doesn't just come into this world to come into your heart so that you have happiness and joy for yourself. He wants the joy, His joy, to flow far as the curse is found. I don't know if you know this, but this world living under a curse. But you're the blessing of God. Amen. Turn to somebody and tell them, you really do bless me. Go ahead and tell them that, even if you have to lie. Now, I got to hurry, but how do we do this? How does the joy of the Lord flow out of our lives? How do we release this? Well, first of all, number one, We all need to share the good news about Jesus everywhere we go. Whose job is this? It's our job. Me and all of you and everyone who has been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. When the angel came from heaven and announced that Christ had been born to the shepherds, it was to the shepherds, not the priests. He came to the common blue-collar worker. He came to every person that uh, he came to people that represented the common man and he announced to them that Christ the Savior is born and it says 
about the shepherds in Luke chapter 2, verses 17 and 18. Now when they had seen Christ, because they went to see him in Bethlehem, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning the child, and all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. You and I are the shepherds in this story. And the way the message gets out to the world is through you and I. And Paul said, how are people going to know about Jesus unless someone tells them? Well, I don't really, I don't really like to talk about it. I'll just let my light shine. Well, that's a good thing to let your light shine. But you need to open your mouth. You know, you talk a lot anyway. Why not talk about Jesus? Amen. Come on, can I get a good amen out there? So what are we to make known? Well, the gospel message in a nutshell is that he came from heaven to earth to show the way. And from the earth to the cross, our debt to pay. And from the cross to the grave, and from the grave to the sky. And he's coming back again. And he's coming for those who trust in him and believe in him and know that they need a savior. But people don't know they need a savior. People, they think they're good enough as they are. And they're not good enough. Our righteous deeds are like filthy rags, the Bible says. And we need to be born again. Jesus said, if you're not born again, you will in no wise see the kingdom of heaven. You must be born again. How do you get born again? By believing on Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. That he died on the cross for your sin. That he rose for your justification. And that you and I can be redeemed by his blood. Reconciled into relationship with God. And restored forever and ever and ever. But that message has to come through every one of us. And that is the impartation of joy when you tell people about Jesus. Amen. Here's another way that we can show the joy or release the joy. Some of it, we just need to smile a little bit more. I've gone all the way from the very deep theological just to the, just smile a while. Come on now. Some of us need to smile. You say, I don't believe that's biblical. Well, let's look in the Bible. In Numbers chapter 6, this is what it says. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. Listen, if God is smiling on you, then you should be smiling We should be smiling on everyone. Amen. Proverbs chapter 15 verse 13 says, A heart full of joy and goodness makes a cheerful face. But when a heart is full of sadness, the spirit is crushed. God wants you and I to smile a while the old little kid song and give your face a rest amen smile at people 
There's a lot of bitterness right now. There's a lot of angst right now. But if, we're, if we really have the joy of the Lord, we need to smile. We need to show it on our face. Let's favor people by how we look at them. Amen. Think of Jesus. The Bible said that the children love to be around Jesus. Now I got to believe that he smiled. Because children, they know who to hang out with and who not to hang out with. They know the gruff people. They know the people that are just kind of hard to get along with. But the Bible said the children wanted to be near Jesus. So the question is, do, they, do the kids want to hang out with me? Maybe I should smile more. Amen. <laughs> that's not the only read, but that's one of them. So I went looking and I found a smile expert by the name of Ron Gutman. And he said that smiling releases endorphins, natural painkillers, and serotonin, which actually literally physically make you feel better. And if it makes you feel better, what could it make other people feel to see your response to them? Have you ever saw somebody walk in the room at work or at your house and you curled your lip like you know, maybe if you'd be, hello, and the joy of the Lord shines off of you. The joy of the Lord shines off of you. The joy of the Lord shines off of you. If God's looking at you and smiling, maybe we need to be looking at people and smiling more. Amen. Here's another thing we can do to share the joy of the Lord. We can stop complaining. Being a negative person is a real downer for everybody around you. Amen. No one is blessed by a complainer. A negative, gossiping, critical person either attracts people of like nature, and then you got a band of thieves, or you repel people. Nobody wants to be around you. And when they, when they come into the room, you might want to smile at them, but you get out as quick as you can. Because <laughs> they are no fun to be around. And so Paul said in Philippians chapter 2, verses 14 and 15, do all things. How many things? All things without complaining and disputing or grumbling is actually another way you can translate that that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. It's crooked out there. It's perverse out there. But what does he say? Stop whining about it. Stop being so joyless yourself. Be harmless. Amen. Among whom you shine as lights in the world. So God says, I want you to shine. And you can't shine. You turn out your light every time you whine and complain and criticize and judge. Amen. Stop complaining. Joy will come out of people who don't complain. In fact, here's, rather than complaining, we need to be, instead of being a complainer, we need to be, speak constructively everywhere we go. Let the word of God come out of you. Uh, Solomon said in Proverbs chapter 15, verse 23, 
A man has joy by the answer of his mouth. And a word spoken in due season. How good it is. Oh, how good it is. Amen. When you say the... You say what needs to be said, not what you feel like needs to be said. It's not what I, how I think about this or what I like or don't like about that. It's what brings glory, what brings honor, what brings joy. What brings joy? Amen. Are we doing okay? Another thing we need to do is we need to set a good example before others of what joy looks like, especially when the chips are down. We got to show people what joy looks like when your life isn't what you want it to be. Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 1 and 6, and you became followers of us. Literally, the word should read or could read, you became imitators of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Spirit. So Paul says, you guys imitated us in affliction, and that kept you in the joy of the Lord. We, sh- we demonstrated to you how it is that you go through hard times and still have joy. See, people, I said it earlier, people know how to be happy when everything's great. They don't always know how to be happy or to have joy when everything's not great. But you and I have to set the tone for the culture. You and I have to set the tone in our home. You and I have to set the tone at our workplace and in our city and in our nation right now. The church is the vessel, the gift that God wants to bestow. He wants His blessings to flow. But we have to get to the place where we're showing people how this works and what this looks like, even in these very difficult times. Amen. So, set the tone. Be an example. Be somebody who can, they, they could pattern their life after your words and after your actions. Say, how would, leave such an impression on people's soul that they think, When you're not around, how would they do it? What would they say in this situation? Come on, church. Amen. God wants to re-gift his his, uh, blessings through us. One final thing. Could you come? One final thing uh, that we can show the blessings of God, and that's supply for someone's need. We We can dispense the joy of the Lord when we see somebody in need. And just be a vessel through which God can bless them and help them. There are people around you who have physical need, financial need, emotional need, relational need. And they need help. And you may be that person. You're that person that you can help them. Paul was writing to the Corinthian church. And he was talking about giving financially to Christians who were in need. And he, and he gave an example. He said in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 and 2, And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of very severe trial, 
their overflow of joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. Do you see that? He said, these Macedonians were poor people, but they had the joy of the Lord. And their poverty plus their joy equaled great blessing. Even though they didn't have everything to give, what they had, they gave out of their joy. And then the Apostle Paul in the next chapter, he said they gave beyond their ability, but in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 12, he said he's, he's trying to encourage the church to be giving to people in need. He said, this service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but it is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. People are going to see the glory of God in what you're doing. They're going to encounter the glory of God in what you're doing. And they will grow closer to the Lord because you saw their need and you gave out of the joy in your heart. And it will bring joy in their heart. Isn't that awesome? In the old Christmas carol, it says, in O Holy Night, it said that when Jesus appeared, the soul finally felt its worth. There was a thrill of hope, and the weary world rejoices. We live in a weary world, but we're the joy dispensers. Come on. But you can't give what you don't possess. So maybe one of those things you have to say, okay, God, I need to get this put together in my life, but show me how and where I can dispense joy. Would you stand with me right now? Can the prayer folks come on up and be ready to pray? If you have any needs today, anything that we talked about, any physical need in your life that you would like prayer for, or if you want to give your heart to Jesus today, or if you would like to be filled with the Holy Spirit today, you just want that fullness of God's Spirit, come and let us pray with you. And we believe that God can do great things in your life. Amen, church? Let me pray, and then we'll be dismissed. But if you need prayer, you can even begin to come right now if you'd like to do it. Father, we love you so much, and thank you for your word today, and thank you for the joy of the Lord, because your joy, Lord, in us is our strength. But I pray, God, that it will not only just be our strength that we possess, but it will be a strength that we provide for others around us, God. Let us walk into rooms. Let us walk into businesses. Let us walk into neighborhoods. Let us walk into people's lives. Like Mary walked into the house of Zacharias and Elizabeth. And the joy of the Lord just flows out of us. And people are hit up by the power of God. Let it happen, we pray. In Jesus' name. And everybody says, Amen. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed.